0: Let's turn our attention to God's Word. The first reading is from Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40, and the second from 1 Timothy 1, verses 5 through 12. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him, teacher, teacher which is the great commandment in the law. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And then from Paul's letter to Timothy, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying Or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. I wanted to finish reading the scripture. Um, It's supposed to go to 17. It's not Derek's fault. It's not anybody's fault except mine. Um, I put 12, and that's what everybody got, but it's supposed to go to 17, so I'm going to continue reading, beginning at verse 12, where yours stops. I thank God who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example for those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This word of God. Um, um, as we continue in our grace filled um, sermon series, I am um, going to talk about the law today um, God's law, biblical law, moral law, the Ten Commandments kind of law. And um, I just want you to know that um, th- this is somewhat topical, which means I'm a little, you know, faithfully cherry picking some things out of the text that we have here today. And um, we will come back to kind of have a complete picture of the law in the life of the believer in some uh, later sermons. So you're not gonna get everything here today. Um, But uh, this is a good start for us. Um, In the profound words of the character Smokey from the movie Friday when his best friend Craig discovers they don't have any sugar to make the Kool-Aid mix many of y'all know it i'm going to give the clean version dog on y'all ain't never got two things that match either y'all got Kool-Aid no sugar peanut butter no jelly ham no burger doggone all right and i describe the words as profound because it so accurately illustrates much of the experiences of the poor and marginalized if you got one chances are you don't have or don't have access to whatever else is necessary to make it fully work and wouldn't you know it What a fitting way of also describing how Christianity feels and looks sometimes. Like the Bible and the people of faith never got two things that match our God, perfect, and us, imperfect. Our hopes, and then our abilities. Our holiness, and our sinfulness. Our love and our hate, the Old Testament God, and what some people like to say, the New Testament God. And with that, what is often considered a non-match, the law of the Bible and the gospel. The law is mean, it's hard, it's abrasive, and suffocating. And we use the term gospel, we, it, it seems the gospel is loving and merciful and kind and liberating. But well, good news, this is not Friday. This is Sunday, right? Ha <laughs> ha, okay. Gosh, y'all ain't sophisticated today, are y'all? It's just too highbrow for y'all. And our passage from the context and story of the whole Bible shows us that the law matches the gospel. They go together. Um, and the thought and confusion of them not matching is not new. As you see right here in the context of the passages reread today. In Matthew, the first verse says, What? But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced, Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law. See, the Sadducees were experts of biblical laws and then a lawyer, an expert of of applying and questioning people's use and misuse of the law, right? The Bible says he does this to test Jesus about the law because it appears that Jesus who represents and teaches the gospel and the law they had learned apparently didn't, what, seem to match. And then in our second passage, a very similar thing obviously is going on. There are faulty teachers creating a mismatch between the law of the gospel and how they were applying the law of God, either by getting rid of the law of God, the commandments, and all of that, or adding and making up new laws that mismatch what Paul had been teaching about the gospel. And it continues today, doesn't it? Like I said, I've heard it. I believe in the New Testament God, but not that Old Testament God. I like Jesus, but Paul is me. When we we're in seminary, uh, you know, we are so cognitive in our thinking. Our professor would say, y'all love Paul, but y'all don't like Jesus, right? Sir. I believe in grace, but not the law. I love the gospel, but don't like all the condemnation of the other stuff. And the danger in our inability to reconcile the law and the gospel is not just theological and philosophical, but understand with this kind of mismatch that we live with, it guts and confuses and makes us live with a split identity, making us feel like hypocrites when God wants us to live like we are completely and fully his children. Here's what we need to know. The law, God's law matches the gospel that it matches the good news of salvation and acceptance by God for broken sinners through faith in Jesus Christ alone in three ways I want us to explore today. First, the law calls out our outward behavior. Secondly, the law calls on our hearts. And finally, the law calls us to God's love. In the last sermon, we looked at a cornerstone cornerstone verse in the Bible, a foundational truth of the gospel, which is this, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That the gospel came because we all, we are called, we all have fallen short and we are all called to outwardly glorify God and have failed to do so. Look at what this Timothy passage says in verse 9 here. It says here, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners. I'll just do the first part there. and Then jump down to verse 11 in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. And then look how he ends this uh, final verse here uh, that we have. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The law God gives us in his word, but many of us boil down to rules of what's right and wrong and do not do this and don't do this and don't whatever. And to to, to moral living is actually about God's glory and his goodness and his holiness. And the law is a reflection of God's glory, of who he is written and revealed to us, most specifically in the Bible, but also then in general woven into the very fabric of our humanity. As those, the Bible says, who were created and made in his image, we not only bear his image, but we actually bear his law in us. We have the ability to bear it and reflect it. As the law is followed and upheld in our lives, it mirrors God's character and glory in our lives. That we were created to reflect him out in the public, in society, as we live in our outward behavior. That as we live life lawfully in the world, it projects him, if you will, on the canvas of the world, of our relationships, on the walls of our cities and communities and in our civil laws. Not only what the law says is right and wrong from God, but how he is right and true and good and pure and bright and beautiful. When we live lawlessly, when we break God's law, when we live sinfully, we, we, we dampen, we, we darken, we, 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 we distract from the glory that God wants to show the world and display in our lives. And thus as his character being the standard for himself is lived out among us through the law, the law in turn by, by default is the standard for our Humanity. If we look at the Matthew passage, and and again, we'll dig into this Matthew passage uh, more later in another sermon. But but look at what it says, that that this law is about how we treat and live socially in our relationships. Jesus says, what is the first and great commandment, right? Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul, right? But then it says the second law is is like unto it. The second law goes with it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is about human dignity. This is about human glory that God has created us to have, right? This is the standard of our humanity found in the law. And then look beginning at verse 8 in Timothy. Passage. It says, Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient. It says, For the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane for those who strike their fathers and mothers for murderers for sexually immoral men who practice homosexuality enslavers liars perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. I know y'all thinking that verse right there brother you in trouble right? Let me say this this sermon is not the one about why and how homosexuality is a sin or against God's law. That, that ain't this sermon, okay? This is not a sermon where I'll explore whether all slave owners and traders, which would include many of this nation's uh, forefathers and many church forefathers, are in hell right now, right? That ain't this sermon. And though I can't stop you from taking this where you want, for the purposes of this sermon, I'm going to say that Paul is giving a list of what the believers he was writing to would consider a given of what was unlawful and sinful behaviors. In other words, Paul is for them, so it might be a little different today, or the list might be longer today, but for them, making it easy to see that the law is obviously good for society, as it calls out what is obviously wrong and obviously wrong to them and and below you know obviously wrong to them below lawful and moral behavior that God has for us paul is using this to invite them to a deeper understanding of the gospel by using the let me tell y'all what's wrong with the world today list right the, the what's wrong with people today list. What's going, in our wor- going on in our world that's so bad list. The bad behavior list for the people he was writing to be drawn in. If he, or rather I, was writing this list today, if I had a chance to write a little bit in the New Testament, which I won't. You know what would be on my list? Porch, porch, package, pirate. You know why? Because that's just plain wrong, (laughs) right? It would be in this list of what's just plain wrong, right? It's below standard humanity, right? Standard, it's standard for you to value yourself and your neighbor that ain't your package, right? To be on a, to be a porch package pirate. It, as Matthew points out, not only is not loving and honoring to God, but not loving behavior to your neighbor. If you see a package on your neighbor's porch, you're supposed to bring it closer to the door. That's love of neighbor. And you should know this, right? You ever see the videos of people snatching stuff? You know what they look like? I'm sorry if you're one of them. I'm not trying to call you. (laughs) They look like my, I used to have a dog, y'all, who was real scared, but knew when she was doing wrong, and she would go grab something off the trash and run. That's exactly what the porch pirates look like, don't they? Like, boom. And they're running. It's real interesting to me because it's bad. It obviously is bad, fallen, broken behavior. And all the world can see how wrong you are. You're caught. You're called out. You can even see you and and how wrong you are. Your behavior, what you do and don't do, is a public nuisance and hardship and bad for relationship and lack of love for others where you take advantage of their convenience at their convenience of having packages shipped and left on their porches the law is the video, right? And in At in the, in the, in the very least, it shows all of us how and where we have failed and fallen short in our humanity, and it helps us to say as we see it and sense it, that's just wrong. And why you got your face covered and running so fast? Not even with the veils, you seen that? Because everybody has the ring, I have a ring doorbell. Yeah, so don't try to steal nothing off my porch. But I was looking in the new videos, they have the veil on their face where they're grabbing and covering up. You can't even see them. They got sophisticated. I bet somebody's going to come up dressed like the FedEx guy, right? That's what's next. Why are you covering your face? Because you know you're wrong. And the law says you cover your neck because you know you're wrong. And it helps us to say and see it because the law inside of you and outside of you displays and shows you, it deems you as sinful. It judges you as wrong in what you are doing and not doing that is inconsistent with God's glory and your humanity that he's created you with. And maybe for those who may not know any better, as Paul says in verse 13 here, he says, I acted ignorantly. Right? So, because so <laughs> some of us just plain ignorant, ignorant, some of y'all say. What we think is okay, or like Paul himself, we have justified ourselves so long in doing and being the way we have decided, or everybody's grabbing packages. What if that was the way it was? It was it's real Christmas. You don't know what you're getting because you're getting it from somebody else's porch. That's a pretty awesome idea. I like, I like not knowing what I'm getting sometimes, right? Surprise Christmas. Everybody just grabbed somebody else's packages. Dad, what do I have for Christmas? I don't know. I just grabbed it. off oh, so- Okay, dish detergent. Okay, so, but we've justified some of us, the world, so long in doing and being the way we have decided that we've almost killed what I would describe as our God-given sort of Wi-Fi of what's good and bad, right? Like what, what, what sin is, what lawlessness, the censors of what's right and wrong, are broken. And the law catches us. Right, it, it, it clocks us. You know, 85 miles per hour on 485, it just seems right, don't it? So many lanes. And at certain times of the day, they, they're so open. Why would you have that many lanes that open. It's not my fault. Look at my dashboard. It says 120. Why did they create a car to go that fast if it ain't me? And look at everybody else. If I get stopped by the cop, I'm like, I was just following the traffic. What about the guy in front of me and behind me? Don't we say those things in your car? It's all right. It likes it too. Till the officer says, you know what? Mr. Brown you were doing 85 in the 65 and I go I didn't know (laughs) any points to the sign you might not know but the sign knows right there in black and white and all sorts of arguments go on our head they try to keep me down they stop me because of my Clemson tag whatever (laughs) man they just hate on champions and winners sometimes our our sinfulness, our our lawlessness can be an onset. It's like a, a habitual, aggravated ignorance in us. And thank God for the law. It stops us. It arrests us. It videos us. It shows us this is not the humanity God created you to live in. This is not the humanity God created someone else to have to live in because of your brokenness. You're adding to the mess, right? That's this whole list, the list I was talking about, and you know, of course, we're going to focus on certain things in this list. Oh, he's talking about this, and this person's worse than others. Look at the end of the list that Paul gives us between verse 8 and verse 11. It says, and anything out of accord of sound doctrine. Remember last week I said the Bible talks about everybody? Here we go. There you are in the Bible. Everybody live according to sound doctrine today. Perfect. Where you at? Right? We recognize that the the law helps us see where we are blind. It shows us where our doctrine about what is holy and what isn't holy is not where it should be. Paul tells us in another of his writings that he wouldn't know what good and bad was. He wouldn't know if he was good or or not good or or what was wrong or right or what was holy or not holy or how he was below the standard human dignity level he was living and treating others. I mean, look at his personal list. He says he was a blasphemer and a persecutor and insolent. I was a murdering zealot who was wrong in thinking I was acting for God. This is not just somebody who, you know, is just doing the normal thing. He is persecuting people. He is uh, tracking people down and killing them and then saying, God told me to do this. I was thinking I was serving God for the public good. And in large part, the law convinced me and showed me not only that I was wrong in what I did, but not right in who and how I was personally. Because the law is not just about calling out and calling into account our behavior It is personal, as it deals with the deeper personal issues of lawlessness and sin in our hearts through the personal work of God who uses that law in our hearts. Now, I want to distinguish something here, because I think in our our society, we use these words personal, and we confuse it. When I say the law is personal, and it works personally, it is not saying the same thing as you're being wrong or right before God and others and yourself is private. Personal sin affects many, right? I'm not sure there's any such thing as a private sin, right? Hidden, covered, But never private, right? Because all sin, law-breaking ignorance manifests in our relationships with God and others in our public life and how we play a role in shaping our society. But the point here is that the law says you are personally troubled, right? Your life is off because your mind and soul and heart are broken or untouched or uninformed by what God says and has done. You see in these passages before us how Jesus, in, in the Matthew passage, he goes from the legalists are coming and saying, okay, let's talk about the law. And then he, they bring this law, this big bad standard of rules and moral do, do's and don'ts. And many of them they had made up and, and, and changed and shifted. And, and Jesus says, let's make it not be just that and twitch it to and, 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 and clarify it to this. How you love your neighbor." How? As yourself, right? How you love from here, not just what you do out here, will determine how you treat others. And then in the Timothy passage, he goes from this list of how the law calls out everyone in our whole society and shows them and guides them to human moral standards to this is how I, Paul, broke and break God's law. You see this move? This is what the law showed in my life. This is what it revealed about me and most importantly, my my heart. And the law is able to draw that out and open me up and show me how sad or destructive or distracted or damaged I am. It gives me a divine diagnostic test for what is going on below the surface and behind the behavior. You know, it's like that thing that the doctor hits your knee with—that reflex thing. <laughs> Doc, why you gotta hit my knee? Right? Because if your knee, if your leg don't kick when that thing hits your knee, something wrong with you, right? It's it's an outward boot on the outside, and if your knee don't kick, something wrong with your nervous system or something on the inside right? God's rules and commands and standards, it clashes with us and our reactions and reflexes, whether we are moved to respond or reject or love or not love or hate, not tells us, and that tells us something. It tests and diagnoses us personally from the outside behavior that everyone does and leads and shows us on the inside and personally why and how we are malfunctioning. Common illustration in our Sonship mentoring we're going through. Um, Our mentor um, through Surge is Stu Batstone. And Stu has this corny shark toy, right? And so in the middle of some deep discussion, he'll say, here we go. Here comes the shark. I'm like, okay, not the shark again. Every mentoring session. Well, y'all know about the shark? Yes, we know about the shark. Don't show us that toy rubber shark again, right? This is you, Howard, Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. You just show the fin, but underneath are real teeth, right? Um, Okay, Stu, right? Where the fin, though, is the behavior, the moral stuff, the stuff we can trick people with, Just, just the surface, what we see people doing as wrong, but the law as it works says... It's worse below the surface. The behavior the law tells you is wrong is attached deeper down to the shark, to the teeth, right? To the dangers of the heart and the soul. So Paul lays out this list of things the law convicts and judges us, but then he turns on him and he turns it on his own life and he has his own little list that we broke down. In in verse 13, he he says this, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full, um, wrong verse here. Let's go back to 13. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. This is not about behavior anymore, is it? the law Paul is saying not only pointed out what was personally wrong before I became a believer when I couldn't and wouldn't even hear or couldn't believe I was all of those things but even after I received even after I'm now a preacher of the gospel. I'm an apostle. I wrote two thirds of the New Testament. The law matches, right? The gospel only as it keeps working to show me where I still am not just a sinner, but the chief of sinners. I am a major God heartbreaker, right? And heartbroken before God and others. Here's what's interesting. Paul's statement means that the law continues and appears to grow as a tool. I said grow as a necessary tool and thus match for believers to be able to mature in grasping the gospel, right? This person is grasping the gospel, in an incredible way by calling out and saying hey I'm the chief of sinners I see what God says not only about my behavior but as I come next to the holiness of God in his word in his law as it reveals who he is oh my gosh I see myself in a greater and deeper light it's part of our lives It's not like we say, okay, we're done with the law. I'm a Christian now. It's just beginning. I remember when I first got saved, like a lot of y'all, I was just focusing on outward behaviors. I was thinking I'm good. I got two sins, maybe three sometimes. And if I could just change those, right? And I was only thinking about changing what I was doing, Right? In fact, and then all of a sudden, God's law, you know, Jesus is so good. Lord, we don't commit adultery. We don't, we don't, we, we, we're good. We, we don't do those things. Have you ever thought it in your heart? Oh, Jesus, why? Right? The, the law is a tool of grace in your life. Man, again, when I was first saved, I thought I wasn't that off. I thought it was about to be holy. I thought if those three sins go away, I'm ready to Enoch out of here, right? Taken up in the chariots of fire in eighth grade. If I could just, if I could just have gotten my grades up, gotten that A, right? Stop staying up on Friday night watching um, Dallas after Incredible Hulk, right? That was evil. You're not supposed to watch Sneak and watch Dallas, right? That's what I do, right? If I could just stop that. See, I'm being corny on purpose because you're a kid. You think that's what it takes. And then the law went here. Oh, Lord, I'm in trouble. You mean my soul, my heart, my motivation? Can't just be performing? The Apostle Paul could have performed. He probably, I'm just going to guess, He probably wasn't doing the things on that list, verses 8 through 11. There's a good chance. In the man had doctrine, he wrote Timothy, right? So how could he be the chief of sinners if the law which convicts us of sin didn't do so at a personal and deep level? If you're sitting here and you're just thinking about your behavior, There is so much more to grow in in the gospel. Which points us to something else. The law is deeply personal because it is enforced by a person. You've heard the statement, here comes the law, right? And it means the police. It refers to a person. The law of God is personal because the law works and is carried out in force and applied by the person of God. And why Paul says here in verse 8, if the law works lawfully, It is good, all right? The law is good then only if it is, who's the only lawful person? God who is at, if God is at work in it, with it, and for it. The law is only lawful if it's done godly, right? It is not lawful because it is the law. Oh, we're we're exercising the law, There is no guarantee that's lawful. I mean, with the new social consciousness around police violence and the way the legal system has been neglectful through the Thirteenth Amendment laws and all the stuff you can watch on Netflix—I watch so much of
0: it—we
1: know this idea, and we fear that it is true. We get what it means for the law to not be done lawfully. When it is inhumane, when it is not personable, when there's all sort of personal, private reasons people are doing it, when it is faceless and heartless and surgical, even as it represents a public and social and moral standard, it can be impersonal and institutional and litigious and, and, and hard on people and, and condemning. Look at what the Apostle Paul says here, again in verse 8. He says, now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully understanding this that the law is not laid down for the just but for the lawless and disobedient for the ungodly and sinners do you see that the lawless those who don't see the law in their lives those without the law in their lives (laughs) understand this that is synonymous as being those hear me without the lawgiver as Lord of their lives. Okay? There's something that doesn't match here all the time. Some people are legalistic, right? But they don't have the lawgiver God in their lives. You can't have the law and it work well without the lawgiver, the Lord who is holy, actually working it in your life. Um, we, we know this because Paul says that he knows he's a sinner because he doesn't meet the standards and falls short of standard. But that truth is only good in, for and to him if what else is true. Look at verse 17. He says it to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God to him be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He didn't say, Oh, great, all the lawgivers, all the teachers, all the people, to the honor and glory of all the people who can make this work for themselves. He's saying to God, who is the king, the law keeper, but also the lawgiver, the enforcer of God's holiness. The Bible is telling us that there is no guarantee of right good and loving use of the law, just by it legalistically enumerating and listing and pointing out and showing how bad you are. There's no power in that. And you're sure to be condemned. I Man, this law is so good at showing you how bad you are. The law is, I mean, we, we, we could, I could unleash some stuff, right? And make myself feel good in the middle of it, right? And, and kind of convince you to be like this person or that person, right? And, and, and you are sure to be convent, condemned, right? And left feeling worthless or unloved or left behind or left lawless without Jesus being the judge, lawyer, lawgiver, and lawmaker. The law of God, the rules and moral teachings of the Bible only match the gospel's power for transformation and good change if they meet in the personal relationship and person of God in Christ Jesus at work in your life. And some of you are trying to live moral lives. You're trying to just be good. You get the law. But you're not getting the Lord. You don't have Jesus. You don't, you don't trust him to be the one to work in your life or else like the teachers Paul is addressing in verses six and seven and the ones Jesus is confronting in Matthew, the law can quickly become ways of oppressing and misjudging others in and yourself and, and under and overvaluing people or being manipulated or, or be put in bondage to all kinds of man-made and human-shaped and oftentimes religious church mess. How, how many of us have come out of churches that we can describe as legalistic? Because Jesus was secondary to the law. You had to stop, right? It wasn't like accept Jesus. I've had people come to me and say, I would like to come to Christ, right? But I got, I'm too bad, right? So what you going to do? Get good, then come to Christ? You're going to be your own lawgiver. You're going to be your own healer? You're going to fix here first and then be acceptable to Jesus? It doesn't work like that. And when the law becomes legalism, we start changing surface behavior. We start pretending we're good. I do it all the time. Instead of the deep personal work in relation with the God, it ironically makes you lawless when you're pretending to be good. And fearful again. And you, you, you mess up more because in, it's hidden. You're not free to be real like Paul is about himself and and how and where you are broken. And so you lie and fake it and run in fear. And according to the Bible, you and I will just find ourselves in more spiritual loneliness, in more lawlessness, in more self-justification, pretending and faking. And then, you know, what we'll do? We'll rewrite the laws to fit us instead of trusting God to fix us. I've seen it. God God didn't say this was real. God didn't say this was wrong, right? No, I don't believe that because that that just ain't love, right? We we rewrite the laws of God because we're putting the power for transforming ourselves on ourselves. As if you can actually accomplish the law well enough to the transformation necessary to be acceptable to God. It, It won't happen. Take it from somebody who tries over and over and fails. We'll keep the shark below the water. We'll remain hidden because we are living in fear. And not in the faith only, not in faith only in God personally using the law to do it. I remember I did something. I'm trying to remember what it was. I think I hit my brother with something. That's probably right. No, I wasn't the the beat up kind of brother. I was more like the, the psychological damaging brother. So I probably convinced them. Like I told people the story of other night um, one Christmas. <laughs> I'm so bad. So one Christmas, I guess my parents like overslept, and there was nothing under the tree the next morning. And I was like, "That's because y'all bad." They were younger. I was older, right? I'm like, "Santa Claus, skip this house." You know why? You're evil. That's why. There's no gifts this year for you. And my younger brother, I guess, he, he didn't believe in Santa Claus. because He goes, Mom and Dad, y'all forgot to put the gifts under the tree. Wake up. But I probably did something psychological damaging like that, psychologically. Um, but I remember um, my parents confronted me, and I was like, no, I didn't do it. I lied. Right? I just wanted to be right. I was so afraid of what it meant to be condemned. Next thing you know, I'm outside, moping, sad, crying. I remember my dad, right? Howard! I'm like, I'm getting the paddle. I'm getting the paddle. And he called me in. And he said, come here. I'm like, oh, Lord. And he hugs me. He says, you know, we told you and confronted you because we love your brother and we love you. You know, at that moment, He could have told me everything wrong with me. And I would have melted right there. It's not about the law. The law is important. It was important I was confronted in what I did. It's important to have a father who is the law giver. To lawfully use the law. Not to condemn you. But to call you to himself. Close with this um, piece here. I'm not going to take too much time on the Matthew passage. Again, we're going to come back to it. But I want you to recognize this that being obedient to God means you're expressing and driven out of love to and for Him and others and not out of fear. But Jesus saying this is is standing, right? And saying what He's saying. He's bringing something really crazy. These lawyers want to know the ins and outs. They want to know the tricks to being lawful. Jesus, tell us the greatest commandment. He's going to mess up, y'all. We got him. We got him. And he brings up, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbors yourself. And he leaves them needing a savior in order to properly follow the law. Jesus, at that moment, becomes the gateway, y'all. Right? He becomes the, the, the gatekeeper. He becomes the way for honoring God. Love being a lawful thing doesn't compute. It doesn't always make sense. It does not happen, does not match without the law-abiding, love-honoring, love of God happening as part of your story. Do you see it? Look at this passage one more time in verse 5. Look what it says. Look how he starts this. The aim of our charge, as he's talking to these teachers, is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And then drop down to verse 12 again. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecuted, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, because of what the law says about my sin, I can't get around it because of what it says about God's glory, about how messed up I am in my behavior and how I live below the standard and what a shark I am in my heart. It means this, my salvation, my redemption, what Jesus came to do couldn't be because I was good. It couldn't be because I did everything right. But because the king, the law, the personally involved divine lawyer wanted to show me mercy. It had and has to be mercy. It had and has to be his grace. It had to be his plain out goodness. It had to be his love for me. And I wouldn't know that it had to be his love if it weren't for the lawful use and display of his glorious standards and holiness of God before me, over me, and in me. Through the lawful love of God, Jesus came to give and show mercy to us. The law says what? It wasn't me. The law tells, it straightens on our testimonies as believers. When we look at the Ten Commandments, we don't go, hey, look how good I am. I'm following all of these. You look at the Ten Commandments and you say, look how good God is. Why am I here? Why do I count myself as child? How can I declare myself? I can't declare myself righteous. How do I stand here? How do I say that I'm a son or daughter of God? Because according to the law, it had to be mercy that brought me in. You see, the call to love God and neighbor flows out of an act of God's love for you. And you've got to know it. You see, on the cross, the gospel came to power of salvation for all. All kinds of lawbreakers, the ignorant, the insolent. The apostle Paul says this in verse 16. I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might display his, perf- display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. That word display or example means it means example. And yes, Paul is saying my life is an example of how the law condemned me and made me lawless until God personally applied it to and saved my life through Jesus. It is a testimony for sure. But y'all, this is more than Paul's example. Paul's display or Paul's faith and obedience. Paul is saying my life is display for Jesus's faithful love to me. That Paul's life is the gallery. But what Jesus did on the cross in the light of the law is a priceless installation of God's love for. We bear the love of God because of what he's done on the cross, taking our sins away, perfectly fulfilling the love and applying it to us by grace because of the mercy of God. Your life, believer, is a display of how the law matches the gospel let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you that in us those who are believers is display of God's grace Lord we're going to keep going back and forth with this it's what we do. We're going to look at the law and try to live it apart from grace, Lord. So when we fail, deep in our faith, bring us back. Remind us while wow, it has to be grace for all those who are in, who are in sin right now, feeling condemned. Let them know what Paul discovered as a chief of sinners in light of the law that convicts us. It was his mercy. There is not one believer sitting here who's not sitting as a believer because of not because of his mercy. It was his grace. Lord, I do pray that we would look at your law and see the beauty of your holiness. Help us not to live ignorantly. Help us to live knowledgeable of who you are and what you did. Lord, I do pray for those who don't know you. And some of the folk who don't know you are the most moral, law abiding people out there. But without you, Lord, they're lawless and lost. Help us who are lost to see that. This we ask and pray in Jesus' name.
0: Amen.